everybody, and welcome to the Weekend Review edition of the Total Soccer Show. I am your host in Richmond, Virginia, Taylor Rockwell. Joining me is your host in Charlotte, North Carolina, a gentleman who did not kick Sajo Mane today and is therefore a better defender than Serge Aurier. It's Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Tay-Tay. Thanks for having me back this week. A pleasure of to be course. back with you. Yes, it's lovely in Charlotte, North Carolina today. It was 84 degrees, yep. and it's like the end of October, which is bonkers. And I just looked on Twitter, and trending on Twitter is hashtag awfully British ways to keep warm because it's jolly cold where I come from right now and that makes me feel good about my current sitch. Uh, it should. It definitely should. It did not make me feel so good today when I had two outdoor games, one of which was was canceled, so at least there's that. But the other one I finished, and it was being played at the exact same time as the NWSL final. Virginia, North Carolina, pretty close to each other. So when I got home and found out that they had hydration breaks and all that nice stuff and a full complement mm. of substitutions, I was slightly jealous. We are going to talk the NWSL final uh, a little bit later, which did happen in North Carolina. Although I'm going to assume Charlotte and Raleigh, not exactly the easiest uh, route to get to, Ryan. It's a little bit of a commute. Is it? Uh, it's Kerry, right? Which is not quite Raleigh. Ah, uh, yes. Am I thinking right? No, Maybe I believe I'm... you are. I be- yeah. See, this is why we have you here for the specificity. That's why we need you, <laughs> and we need you to help uh, review all of the things that happened this past weekend. Uh, we're going to start off with the Premier League because there were some crazy things in the Premier League. We're going to get to Christian Pulisic. Don't worry, we're going to get to a lot of the other things that happened. But we're going to start with the result today: Liverpool two, Tottenham one. We're going to do it in the uh, the thumbs up, thumbs down fashion, or we're going to utilize some thumbs here, Ryan. Where would you like to start with this one? Shall we start with a thumbs... Ooh, how about a <laughs> thumbs up for Liverpool being really, really, really good? Yep, I think that's fair. <laughs> that is... No, why was there hesitation there, though? I was just thinking there's lots of things to talk about in this game, and uh, yeah. particularly uh, rather than starting on the negative foot with Tottenham, I thought it better mm-hmm. to start positive. Liverpool now unbeaten 45 home games. Uh, this is their third uh, win against a big six team, big six team this season. Uh, and they just look like no one could come near them apart from maybe Man City at the moment, don't they? This is a, yes, this is a very dominant display. I think it's really showed the gap in quality between these two teams at the moment, and it seems like since the Champions League final, which was nearly 150 days ago now, can you believe it, these two teams have kind of gone on disparate paths, Liverpool getting stronger and stronger, Tottenham doing the opposite of stronger and stronger. <laughs> um, and this game was kind of the opposite of that game in that it was sort mm-hmm. of Spurs who took the early lead and the game wasn't killed off as it was in the Champions League final. It was not. Uh, but I would say it did feel in moments like uh, it was not going to matter because uh, Spurs got their early goal courtesy of Harry Kane. And then mm. Liverpool had, I believe, 400 chances before eventually <laughs> equalizing and eventually getting the winner. And I want to say with that in mind, thumbs up to Liverpool's general disposition, which is a uh, an interesting way to start with this one for me. But it is the case that as I was watching, these guys never like they never really got frustrated. You never saw them start to lose it or get agitated when somebody would shoot if somebody else was open. At least from from my recollection, from my note taking, I never saw that like really frustrated, like gesturing at their own feet. It was just more of like positive, occasionally bemused. Firmino on multiple occasions seemed very confused as to how he had not yet scored. But I think <laughs> that level of like positivity and self belief is the big difference right now for Liverpool in terms of how they're able to figure out a way to, to get through and get the result. Obviously, tactics and individual play important as well, but that mentality, I think, will go a long way. Yeah, definitely. I think this was all about mentality, this game, really, wasn't it? It was the response to that early goal and the 
possession they had and the press they had after that early goal for pretty much the next 70 minutes or so was just so intense, wasn't it? It was really good from them. And I think it was 12 shots on target to Tottenham's four, if my numbers are right. And I do make up about 82% of numbers, I say, so uh, be careful on that. I think they had 70% possession as well. It was just, I don't know what more to say apart from Liverpool were a much better team here. Spurs didn't, I mean... They, I suppose they were buoyed slightly by that Champions League midweek result and they were better in some ways. But certain players who are going to get a thumbs down, I'm afraid, Tate, I'm giving those to Christian Eriksen and Mr. Deli Ali, both of whom, did, did, did they want to be there? I'm not even sure. <laughs> it, it's a fair question, especially for Christian Eriksen, because I like I was sort of had the game on and then I had like my phone. So I was you know scrolling Twitter every now and then. Uh, and there seemed to be a lot of frustration with Christian Eriksen. And so I can't tell if I just started to pay attention to it more. But he definitely just looked far more sluggish as the game went on. We stopped seeing some of those really accurate crossfield balls that we saw from him in the first 15 minutes or so. And instead, it just seemed like a complete lack of focus from him, a- a- exemplified mm. by the fact that I believe... Liverpool's, I think the the winner, uh, the winning penalty, it starts with him just being sloppy and sort of being slow on the ball. He gets robbed by Wijnaldum. Trent Alexander-Arnold clears long, and it goes into the path of Sadio Mane. But even there, the kind of lackluster play from Eriksen really comes back to haunt Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, it just, it just didn't look bothered in general. And I'm going to also be down, maybe give a thumbs down even, to Maurizio Pochettino as well, because I didn't think it was just the players on the field that sort of let it down. I think his tactics, I think he got it wrong. In general here, I think that when you go against Liverpool, you need to try and go toe-to-toe. You need to go at them, kind of in many ways, the way that people have unlocked Man City this season. I think that, you know, they could have gone with a bit of pace up top, like I suppose Man United tried. Instead, they got Kane up top when they maybe could have played him deeper and put someone else. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. But No, I think, I think just to jump in for a moment there, I think it's a really smart point because if you do have Harry Kane up there, if you're looking to sort of like combine with Son and have it be like a front two and he can kind of make those darting runs into the channels with pace and then Harry Kane can be there to get on the end of a cross or vice versa. That makes Mm. more sense. But if you're looking to sort of dump it long over the top and catch Liverpool out, that's not really going to be Harry Kane. Not to say that he's particularly slow. Daryl always talks about how slow he is. I don't think he's that slow, but he is not going to be one to beat Virgil van Dijk, who I think is like the second fastest player in Premier League history or something like that. So I, I didn't quite get that game plan either for sure. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's, I suppose that's what I'm getting at. And I don't know, I just think Spurs know how to press. They know how to be furious, but they weren't furious, I suppose, is what, what went wrong here. And i tell you what else went wrong, Tate. What's that? Those penalty decisions, particularly right. that penalty decision in the singular, I should say. How about that? What do you think about that? So are you saying, are you saying thumbs down to that penalty decision? Or are you just saying that penalty decision in general, what do I make of it? Would you like to hear my thoughts on it? Because I'm yeah, saying I'm going to say I'm going to say uh, thumbs up to Sadio Mane for causing the pressure for like never giving up on the ball. I oh. think he has a chance. He he works back. He tries to get on the end of it. And then I'm going to say thumbs up to a correctly given penalty because even though I don't think Sergio Aurier knows Sadio Mane is there, this same thing happened, I believe, to Virgil Van Dijk last season. Doesn't realize Eric Lamella is there. There's contact penalty given. It happened to Jack Wilshere a couple of years ago for Arsenal. You have these, or no, excuse me, Aaron Ramsey, not Jack Wilshere. You have these moments when I think players will just sort of tr- be trying to clear the ball. They make contact and it's unfortunate, but it is still you're kicking them in the shin and making them fall over, kicking them in the calf and making them fall over. Yeah. So I get why it's given. And I understand why Tottenham fans might feel hard done. Serge Aurier certainly did, but I'm not really buying that narrative so much. 
I, yeah, I can I can see why it was given. I can see why the law dictates that he did kick him and he fell over. I get that. But I just think that Aurea had no idea that he was coming. He kind of sneaked up on him, didn't he? Aurea, mm-hmm. he, did, he did really well in that move up until that point. He did well to get down on the floor. He won the ball off Mane. He recovered well. And then sort of Mane, he, he obstructed him basically in many ways, I think you could say. that It was an obstruction of sorts and so you I, don't have an issue with the the like the kicking oh he didn't know so it shouldn't have been given it's more so you're are you arguing that Sajo Mane like initiates the contact and then the kick happens I think it's more that Aurier there's no intent there his intent is to hoof the ball away and mm-hmm. Mane puts a leg in front of him but my real beef about <laughs> right. this my real beef is that moments before this happened Eric Lamella was kicked pretty hard from behind by Virgil van Dijk doing an attempted clearance, i.e. the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing was given there. Interesting. So that this happened was, this in, was I, the I same, that in this The game. same crime at the other end of the field Ooh. not long before. Virgil van Dijk walloping Lamella from behind. <laughs> nothing, nothing. I, and was this, I, I missed this. Was this on the ball? Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, I think you've got a legitimate beef there, Ryan Bailey. I, I, can't, <laughs> just, I can't so much disagree with that one. I mean, there's been a lot of VAR flashpoints this mm-hmm. weekend. We'll probably touch on them because VAR is all we ever talk about ever these days. Pretty but, much. Uh, I think, you know, it's just inconsistency, isn't it? You can apply these things, but you've got to apply it fairly. I think you do. I think it also helps for Liverpool when they have the uh, the crowd that they do at Anfield. Uh, it was one thing I tweeted about this. I enjoyed it a lot. Whenever the crowd gets into it and helps with the directions, I think it it helps you sort of. You know, you've you uh, can hear things better. You can uh, react faster. So maybe that gives them the advantage, even if they're already getting it slightly from VAR. Uh, but I did just enjoy the entire stadium saying "man on" on multiple occasions. I think most of the time it was to Fabinho, but just that sort of everybody in the moment thinking like "I've got to let him know." I, I always enjoy it when collectively you hear the entire crowd scream man on when well when you're watching a game you do the same thing right oh yes i definitely do <laughs> i'm not proud of it but there are definitely moments like oh no man on <laughs> like, like it's it's uh it's not quite as effective when i'm uh like you know four thousand miles away or whatever i am uh but, but you know i still try i still try to do my part ryan uh anything else you'd like to talk about from liverpool to tottenham one i'm all set on that i think we're, i think i'm pretty happy with uh, the way this game went i think the, the right team won mm-hmm. Uh, I think still think that Liverpool, if they don't win it this season, they never will. <laughs> frankly, I mean, I, it's a it's a valid argument, especially I think with what I was talking about earlier with that sort of sort of just the general disposition, the belief. It feels like that's a key thing that you have to have. Mm. And I think about like how they were able to just turn this around. They kept going, uh, like they certainly made adjustments and tried to cause problems wherever they could, and they moved Henderson forward and and tried to pin people back. But with all that said, I think an aspect of just like backing themselves to get the results is a thing that maybe there have been criticisms about Liverpool for not doing that in the past, and so that they did it today yeah. could end up being a very big result. Uh, City obviously still win, uh, so I think the gap is, what, still only six points? Yeah, it's, 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 there's, there is a, there's, there's still a gap, though. That's the point. And you say belief. Mm. Their belief is very important for a team in this. It's, all, it's so mental, isn't it? And I think John Mayer said it best. Belief is a beautiful armor that makes for the heaviest sword, which was John Mayer's way of saying, don't mess this up in, like, March <laughs> or April, Liverpool. Don't do that. Uh, I think that might be the first John Mayer quote on the show, although you may have done one previously. But <laughs> that, that feels like the official time to move on from this conversation and go on to Burnley 2, Chelsea 4. Uh, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to jump in here because I'm going to guess you can guess where my thumbs are going for this one. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give two big old thumbs up to Christian Pulisic. Two. Uh, four, as Daryl required me to say... Uh, he told me today I had to say it for scoring three pool of goals after getting the pool of start and therefore getting a perfect pool of trick. 
you pulled that one out of the bag. Nice one. <laughs> I try. I try. Um, I am, I do think, like, the goals aside, he gets the goal with the left foot. He gets the goal with the right foot. He gets the header. Uh, I, I enjoyed all of them. They were varying degrees of, like, intentional mixed with scrappiness, mixed with some sloppiness and some defensive mistakes. But still, yeah. a hat trick is a hat trick. I do think, though, that he... Like, essentially, I'm convinced that Frank Lampard wants his attackers, his front three or front four, to take people on individually because I found myself being slightly uncomfortable. This is a completely American, like, pro-Pulisic perspective, I know. But I was like, well, is he being a little selfish? Like, do his teammates mind he's doing this as he scores three goals? I probably shouldn't care. But Hmm. when Willian comes in, scores the fourth, he really does almost the exact same thing of take somebody on, does the scissors, does the step over, gets a little bit of space, gets that shot off. And I think we're starting to see Pulisic executing what Frank Lampard wants from him more in a more deliberate way. And scoring a hat trick certainly isn't going to hurt his chances of getting more time. I think so, yeah. And, uh, by the way, on uh, on whoscored.com, he got a 10 out of 10 rating. You don't see those every day. You do so not. You do not see those every day. So that's very good uh, from him, obviously. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the first goal, I think, the most. We sort mm-hmm. of took the ball off of uh, Lauten out of position, didn't he? He beat, was it Tarkovsky, I think? Yep. And then was, who was the nutmeg? The nutmeg was Ben Mee, wasn't it? But it was like, a, it was like take the ball skillfully beat someone then meg someone to like yep absolutely destroy burnley's confidence from the uh from the 21st minute there um yeah a re- really good performance from him do you think this is enough to ensure pulisic gets more playing time though because i saw some interesting comments uh, i think it was in the mirror from lampard after the game saying how the re- he was kind of inferring the reason pulisic hasn't been as involved mm-hmm. as he had hoped up to this point was that match fitness in that yeah. he only had a week to recover from his fun with the united states mutant turtles in the summer so are you buying are you buying that in that you know this might be a gradual introduction he, we, we had him quite low in the depth chart of midfielders uh, up mm-hmm. to this point do we think he's climbed it now and having reached this uh, fitness level that has allowed him to get perfect hat-tricks? I do. I, I really do. And again, I don't think that is just me wanting that to be the case. Uh, I, I think in this case, listening to that Lampard quote, yeah, as he, as you said, a uh, one-week break this summer, he came in early, which I loved. That's Frank Lampard talking. Uh, he got minutes early in the season, but we have competition at multiple places. And, and I think the thing that I really enjoyed about it is overall Frank Lampard I go back to general disposition again, apparently, but like he just seemed sort of like amused by how concerned people seem to be almost like, well, it's it's very simple. Like that was kind of his demeanor when he was delivering that sort of explanation. And so it does make sense that if it's a new player coming in, I bet there is a little bit something else in there of like, and he didn't quite do what we were asking. He wasn't quite up to the level that we wanted him to be, or he wasn't quite comfortable doing what we wanted him to do. So we gave him some time to, to bet in and get more comfortable. Uh, I don't know if it means that he's like an automatic starter, but I'm also so not necessarily certain that Frank Lampard has like an automatic 11 right now. Yeah. But I think he has certainly moved his way into that rotation conversation uh, of getting consistent minutes, not just from the bench. I think the stars have aligned for him, particularly in this game, in that um, some of the English stars have had lesser performances, particularly Mason yeah. Mount in this one wasn't up to much, was he? I mean, he got an assist, fair enough, but he was sub sub mount vintage mm-hmm. i would say sub mount sub mount <laughs> tammy abraham was a bit off too i'd say and i think in recent games there's been sort of a, a bit of chatter about his uh his his body language after missing after wasting chances and you know have you noticed this at all it seems to seems a bit a bit too frustrated 
T- uh, Tammy Abraham, you mean? Yeah. Um, I, I did notice, like, I, I do tend to watch celebrations probably more in depth than I should. As an example for Pulisic's first goal when he does the knee slide and does the scream, you can sort of tell it really, really, really does mean something to him. Aside from scoring his first goal in the Premier League, it did feel a little bit like he needed that moment to sort of get a lot of the pressure off. Yeah. And I say that to say that when he scores the second and goes running to the opposite side of the field, Tammy Abraham, like, jogs over, but you can see that moment of, like, I wanted that to be me. Which I'm not even saying is a criticism because I think that's what you have to have as a striker. You have to have that desire to be like, I'm the one who's supposed to be going scoring goals. I want more. And so if it is that of like, I am annoyed that I am not the one scoring, I think that's probably a healthy attitude for a striker to have. If it's, I'm annoyed and I don't want anyone else to get chances and I'm, I'm frustrated by my teammates, then more of a problem. But I don't, haven't seen any indicator that it is the latter and more so I've seen indications that it's the former. I think I got that right. Yeah, fair enough. And maybe I'm reading too much into it as well. If we're done with well, the... Well, uh, why, why, did you, why did you see? Like, Is there anything in particular you saw? Or is it just a question you're raising? I've just in the, in the last few games, just seen him look a bit frustrated, look a bit, hmm. you know, and, ha- and has wasted a few chances as well. And I just noticed a bit of chatter on, on, the, on the Twitters about, about it. And it sort of aroused All my right. attention. I wouldn't know if that was just a, 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 a small, a niche opinion. Right. And maybe it is. But if, if, we're, if we're done Wait, with what? that... And if we're we're done not, with though, because the... I'm now obsessed with this idea of... <laughs> Because we've had the Pulisic crisis of, is he ever going to play? Is he good enough? Does he need a loan? All that nonsense. Now we can move on to Abraham Watch, and we can see mm. if his body language improves or if it does get worse. And now it's all on Tammy Abraham, and we can move away from Christian Pulisic. So, ball's in your court, Tammy. We'll see what well, he does. Well, maybe, you know how so, like a, a rising tide lifts all boats? Maybe it's not that way at Chelsea. When, when one tide rises, others have to go down. This sort of an equilibrium <laughs> issue they've got there. That does feel like a thing Roman Abramovich would insist upon, yes. <laughs> but if, if we're done with that and we're done with the Mm-hmm. Um, the Pulisic loving, the, the Puller praise, if you will. I will. Um, I would, I'd I will. like to give thumbs up to, to Frank Lampard, a, a okay. man who I've doubted up to this point. Uh, you know, obviously least uh, experienced manager in this league. And what he may lack in sort of defensive now and getting his uh, uh, starting 11 nailed mm-hmm. down. Let's remember, by the way, Mauricio Sarri had a 4 nil at Burnley last season. So there's a 4-2 here. So, uh, and this team is a bit leaky at the back. But I think where Lampard seems to be really winning is... His man management. He's got these players firing apart from the aforementioned Mason Mount Tammy Abraham at the moment. But it seems like, you know, uh, this is the seventh consecutive victory in all competitions. Three of those were clean sheets, actually, to mm-hmm. be fair. They're up to fourth level with Leicester on points and Leicester are flying. So maybe we're not even giving Chelsea enough credit. Maybe they deserve a bit more for this. And what, what I think the main Lampard effect has been on the fans as well. And, you know, yeah. there's lo- so many fans saying... Even despite all the circumstances, this is the best Chelsea they've seen. Gary Hayes, the Chelsea insider, uh, he, he was saying to me that this is the best Chelsea since that Mourinho vintage, the sort of 2004-05 Super Chelsea. Um, and I, I, I think the the feeling he's arousing in fans right now is really positive. And it seems like the transfer ban's been, a, and, and his arrival's been a bit of a blessing in disguise in many ways. It's all come together to create a much more positive atmosphere at the club, even if they're not as watertight at the back, even if they're not 100% getting the results they want, even though at the moment they very much are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I will say, like, I'll go negative and then positive. I was talking with my Chelsea supporting friend on Friday, and he was sort of, like, bragging about this and how like, how have they managed to do this? How has he managed to get this these great performances out of this, like, 
bone like like this like bare bones squad and like they don't have that bare much bones. experience and I was just like I was like they had 90, 90 players on their books last season like they're fine in terms of the number <laughs> of players they have that said it is a team that I did not expect to be here I never thought they would be in fourth place certainly not at this point um, yeah. And even those goals that you mentioned, like, yes, their defense could be a little bit more solid. I think of those, I mean, they've conceded more out of the table in front of me. I think they've conceded more goals uh, except for, uh, like, above everyone except Aston Villa. So Aston Villa and below, so 15th and below. So that's how much Chelsea have conceded. But, like, today those two goals are at the end. They're from distance. It feels a bit like the defense had switched off, which is probably not a great defense, but it is a little bit of a of an outlier there, a little bit of an asterisk for me. And so overall, I agree with you. I, Frank Lampard has done a, a much better job than I expected him to do, at the very least at this point. I didn't expect him to do a bad job, but I definitely had some questions, and at least a few of those have been answered so far. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Frank, Lamp- for Frank Lampard. Right uh, right back to the point a few years ago where uh, on TalkSport in, on the, in the UK, which you can get on serious at some points as well. Um, he, they were criticizing him on air and he phoned in and defended himself. And it was <laughs> so good. It was, he was brilliant and he had very good points. And also I learned today he has a dog called Minnie and it's quite cute. <laughs> You're learning all the important things. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of criticism and complaint, uh, we did have uh, Sean Deitch not being pleased in his post-match interview. Uh, I log. We have a shared document where we just kind of put in our, our our notes that like so we're both kind of on the same page, Ryan and I, before we start recording. I logged in to do thumbs down to Sean Deitch, and you had already done it. Yeah. So Sean Deitch after this game. Complaining about the diving uh, in this game, I, uh, I spoke from Hudson Adoy um, mm-hmm. with, with that penalty situation. Yep. That's got to go out of the game. It's ridiculous now. Young players, young players diving. I just can't stand it. It's not encouraging for the game of football. I'm really worried for the game of football. Where do we mm-hmm. Where do we start with this one, Sean? For, for a start, where have you been? It's 2019. <laughs> this diving thing is not new. This is not a phenomenon. Is it not? This it's, has existed before? It's really not. This is a thing we've talked about in the past. And not yeah. only that, but in relation to Burnley. I mean, mm-hmm. some of your players... I mean, what's, what's Burnley's strength? Sort of winning free kicks and getting set pieces. You do that sometimes by falling over. Have a word with Ashley Barnes. He's always falling on the floor. I mean, it just seems like... Come on, Sean. Really? Is that all you've got after this result? Is that all you've got? Yeah, and that and that was actually why I wanted to give him thumbs down because I, I call this like the Arsene Wenger special of losing a game in pretty dramatic fashion and then talking about a very minor point as though that was the main takeaway. Mm. And Deitch said, like, yeah, he said, I don't want to take away from the main point, which is that Chelsea were too strong overall. That was the very end of his comments. But if 90% of it is... It wasn't fair. It's got to be something's got to be done. This isn't right. Things are wrong. Society's terrible. Millennials are the worst. Then like, then you end it with like, oh, and they were pretty good too. You have sort of downplayed what they did. And it is that tactic, but it was a bit of an eye roll for me of like, really? You're going to go with that one after this loss? All right. If that's what you want to do, Sean. That's what you want to do. Got to say something, I guess, isn't he? <laughs> I suppose he does. <laughs> I suppose he does. So uh, anything else from Chelsea Burnley? I'm all happy with that one. All right, then. Before we get to uh, a couple more Premier League games, we should talk about today's sponsor, our friends at SeatGeek. Uh, do you ever feel, Ryan, like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about customer experience. Do you feel that way? I feel that way all the time. Sometimes <laughs> their sites are annoying. They don't have the events you want. The real question is, how easy would it be if those ticketing sites actually 
cared like Seat Geek cared. does and they I do, do love I do love me some Seat Geek as we know we've uh, we've talked about this many times mm-hmm. on this show it's a, a very simple site to use they have a rating system for their tickets uh, based on what, uh, a scale of 1 to 10 10 mm-hmm. being it's a great deal and you get a green light 1 or even lower than 1 in the naught points that's red that's not so hot so I'm looking at the moment for example I'm uh, I'm going to see some uh, some Gamecocks Football, some really the gridiron next weekend against Vanderbilt. The two worst teams in the SEC East. I hey. can't wait for it. But uh, you can get tickets right now on SeatGeek <laughs> for that in the section I'm sitting in, which I probably shouldn't divulge here, but it's about $69. I think you should. That's a, well, that's a, that's a good... Uh, I've got nice seats. I've got a friend who's got nice seats. But it's uh, $69 at the moment, which is very, very good value. I think that's cheaper than what I paid. Um, there we go. There's lots of great stuff, and it's concerts on here as well. I've just mm-hmm. noticed Billie Eilish is on tour. If you want to hear a young person whistle some lyrics for a few hours go see her that one's quite expensive though because she's very hot right now but you can see it for the for a good price on SeatGeek. <laughs> that's my favorite description of billy alish i've ever heard aside from uh rain wilson when he's interviewing her uh, insisting on calling her billy eyelash i believe it is for the entire interview <laughs> that's good times well i'd um, like to see her live because i just wonder how that that voice she does on the record translates mm-hmm. because she does just speak quietly, basically, right? A little bit. It's a, a little bit of that. It's a little bit. It's like it's the pop equivalent of mumble rapping, I guess I feel like. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, well, if that's not your speed or if you don't enjoy us uh, mocking Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish, if you will. I like uh, it for the record. What's that? I like it for the record. I wasn't being too mean. Yes, yeah, so do I, too. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not thrilled that that's the way that ended up coming off. But, <laughs> but whatever. Billie Eilish doesn't matter. Or doesn't mind. Doesn't mind. She does matter. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to move swiftly on move to it. say you could also get tickets uh, to the various MLS playoffs that are that are still ongoing, including mm. Toronto at Atlanta United. Can I tickets see any starting... more with uh, nets in obscuring my vision? Is that something I can see now? Unfortunately, that, that you can't. I did enjoy the feeling of watching it as though we were at a like bad seafood bar. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was a fun little experience. Uh, luckily, we are done with that. Instead, we have uh, some nice venues to go see games. You could see obviously LAFC at home. You could see Atlanta at home. Mm. Uh, the Atlanta tickets, Atlanta v Toronto, I believe, uh, start at seventy six dollars. Uh, so you could pay that. Or you could get a little bit of a discount uh, because SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code, which is what, Ryan Bailey? It How is. can people use that promo code? That promo code, you get yourself on that mm-hmm. SeatGeek app and you type in T, then S, then S. That's that the Total out. Soccer Show. You get $10 off your first mm-hmm. purchase with the promo code TSS. Do it, baby. Do it, baby. All right. So thank you very much to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's episode. couple more Premier League games we got to get to, Mr. Bailey, starting with Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, I'm going to go thumbs uncertain to Granite Xhaka uh, because Granite Xhaka booed off the pitch in this one. He substituted it off. He cups his ear to the crowd, which brings about more booing. He mouths uh, an FU, we think, to the crowd. He takes his jersey off. He goes straight down the tunnel. This is, we should remind people, Arsenal's captain. And the reaction to this seemed split. It seemed like a decent number of people thought that he was that it was unfair, that Arsenal fans are blaming him, and that he's not necessarily at fault. And certainly it's the case that he's not picking himself to keep starting these games. Then a larger majority felt that he kind of disrespected the shirt while he was playing, and then once he subbed off, Unai Emery seems to have been displeased by this one. He said they're going to have to revisit it and talk with Granite Xhaka and, and uh, make some steps and everything like that. So it did seem like Unai Emery was sort of okay with uh, putting it on his player. Ryan, what do you make of this situation? When I first saw your thumbs wavering on this one, Tate, mm-hmm. I was like, 
why, bro? Why? What, what's making you think it might be thumbs up for Shaka here? Because yeah. he's behaved pretty badly there. The the theatrics he gave when he was taken off. Admittedly, when your captain's That's taken fair. off after an hour, it's not great optics not. for anybody. But then the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, you're quite right there. This, I think, is... Because it wasn't even a terrible game for Xhaka. I think this is more about Emery's failings mm-hmm. in his tactical style than Xhaka's failings. Right? That's what we're getting at here, isn't it? Because Yeah, I, I think so. It, it seems that... I don't know... If you if you saw how beautiful some those PlayStation goals that they used to score under Arsene Wenger, can you imagine this team doing that right now? It's it's all very Route One, hoofy, try to get mm-hmm. it to the big man sort of style, isn't it? It's very it's a bit to, to uh, you know it's a bit Wimbledon like my team yeah. back in the day. Even though and, I, I, I'd say we were better at it than that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you, you all pulled it off. You you yeah. won some stuff at least. Yeah, and I just think I don't know. I think that. If Emery sticks around for much longer, which I suppose he will, I don't see this team achieving much. I don't see this team sticking around in the top six too much longer because it's just, it's just not great. It's not great. It's really not. And to your point about like hoofing it long, kind of being very direct, it is worth noting that they do have a certain Mesut Ozil who could come in and be a potential creative playmaker. That was the other strange aspect of this game is I believe there were chants of Ozil ringing out around the stadium uh, during this game. I, I went and read a couple like post-match things from Arsenal fans, not Arsenal Fan TV, not going there. But <laughs> it, it's it's a curious thing that it seems now that Ozil has gone into this like, oh, he's so unappreciated by Unai Emery. He could be the difference maker. He could be the one that really turns our, our attack on and gets us going. And this is still the same message Ozil that has been criticized sort of fairly routinely for a lack of effort, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of intensity. Like, like Ryan, I, I, I hesitate to keep asking you, where are you on this one? But I, I like, I don't feel like I know enough to be pro Mesut Ozil. Everything I have sort of read and understood from Arsenal fans is that he has not covered himself in glory, at least in the recent in recent memory. Yeah. Like am I am I mistaken here or is that where you are on Mesut Ozil as well? I think I'm there and also I think that there must be some behind the scenes nonsense that's gone on that yeah. we don't have the full picture on for him to be, you know, not even featuring here. And I I just think when when I think of Arsenal in sort of the early two thousands to mid two thousands, you think of a really nice central midfield. You think of nice passing going through the yeah. middle and that's just not happening at all here it's like it's bypassed most of the time except for when Genduzzi is used to rugby tackle players we'll, yeah. we'll get to that later we will but it just seems like it's all just down the flanks try and get a cross in and uh, get a billion crosses in per game and you might get one in the net and you know the both uh both the uh Arsenal goals came from those wide positions or those corners weren't they but it was it, it was all just coming from the flanks wasn't it and it's just not very inspiring stuff no. is it it was not, and I would say more inspiring to me was Wilfred Zaha, who uh, had another strong performance. He was vindicated. Uh, he earns the first penalty after he's booked for diving. Vieira reviews. Penalty given. Yellow card rescinded. Apology from the official, no less. That allows uh, Palace to pull one back. Then I'm going to say thumbs up to him for, essentially, as you uh, said earlier, just being straight up rugby tackled, maybe even NFL tackled, uh, <laughs> by, by Ganduzi when he was on the break at the very end of the game. Yeah. And... I've watched this several times. I am still confused as to why this was not a red card because it is like 80 yards from the Arsenal goal, but Ganduzi is definitely the last man. Zaha has played this ball into space, so at that point it's going to be a sort of foot race. He's got a couple yards, in my mind, on the players around him. I kept seeing Arsenal fans say like, oh, no, he wasn't last man because the other defenders had caught up. And 
to my to my vision, it looked like he was spear tackled and then they caught up, which will do that. That's the point of tackling somebody. Yeah. So I was really confused by this only being a yellow card. I'm assuming it's because of the distance to goal. R- Ryan, do you think this should have been a red? Well, let me start off asking you a question. Have you seen that video of Boris Johnson playing a soccer aid game like years ago where he goes in for that tackle, which is essentially a rugby tackle at waist level? Oh, no, I think you've told me about this previously, and I have yet to watch it still. It's on I the apologize. intertube. So it's, it's Boris Johnson, who came from a school that probably only played rugby, mm. doing his best he can to stop a player, literally by doing a rugby tackle. And it's exactly what Kenduzi did in this situation. Mm-hmm. And by the letter of the law, when I see that, I, I agree with you. That's outrageous. How is that not a red? Because he's, he's the last man. Zahar is absolutely away. He's only got, he's only got the keeper to beat in that, mm-hmm. in that instance. But then... It makes me think, hang on, Gaduzi actually pulled off a smart move here because when would a ref mm-hmm. give a red card for that in, in, in the player's own half? That doesn't really ever happen, does it? It's only no, it be, it's, it shouldn't be that way, but it only seems it's that way when, it's, when you're north of the halfway line, right? Yeah, I, I guess that is probably it. I think it's probably the distance com- uh, from goal combined with the maybe had some defenders who could have caught up and at least slowed him down. So it wasn't necessarily de- denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. I would actually give a little bit of credit to Ganduzi. I mean, he goes for it maybe more than he needs to, yeah. but like that is why he's there is to stop, stop the counterattack from happening. And I think you're absolutely right that if he sort of slows down and tries to shepherd Zaha one way, he either gets blown past or is in a sort of 50-50 pursuit where he almost certainly is still going to have to do that except if it happens 20 yards up the field it probably is a red card so to your point yeah I think it is it is a a, a bit of clever play albeit very obviously (laughs) illegal play from Ganduzi. it was quite a lot less graceful than the Pep Guardiola school of uh, tactical fouling but it was a tactical foul it was. It was. So uh, <laughs> I guess well done to Wilfred Zaha. Less well done to Arsenal, who I'm sure will not be too thrilled with that result. 2-2, that one finishes. No. Let's talk about another one that had slightly more goals. Only a few more, which is to say more than double. Southampton, nil, Leicester, 9. I don't know where to start with this, aside from to say that I feel like you and I were... Early on the Leicester, Leicester under Brendan Rodgers uh, bandwagon as like that's a very good combination and this could work very well. This game makes me feel even more vindicated about that uh, position. Yeah, definitely. They just they still look absolutely wonderful, don't they? They really is, do. The, uh, Vardy and Perez both getting hat tricks in this one, overshadowing the Pulisic hat trick. They got two hat tricks on their team. How do you? How do you? Sorry, biggest away victory in Premier League history here. Leicester now have twenty points from ten. That's one more point than they had at this point when they won the league. So they're in better form than when they won the league right now. It seems like wow. top six is nailed on for this team at the moment. And just It was just a, as bad as Southampton were. Leicester were brilliant, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Look at some of the quality of those goals as well. They weren't, they weren't tap-ins or anything. Like Perez that, for the 4-0, that half mm-hmm. volley was brilliantly executed. Vardy for the, for the following goal, where he wrong-foots a defender. It was lovely. Then Perez did that one where he chested it down and volleyed it himself, which was like school playground the greatest goal you can score yeah. and the, the, the Madison free kick, the, the, you know, the, this was high quality stuff. And even, even the Tielemans through traffic for like, I think the third goal where he right. settles it. He's like what, 12 yards from goal. He has bu- a bunch of bodies in front of him, but he like picks his spot, gets off like a rabbit, rabbit punch, quick shot and just puts it back corner. Like it's an excellent goal. It's technically perfect. And that's kind of how Lester were in this game. Yeah. And, as you say, we have to say that Southampton had to get a thumbs down for this. They mm-hmm. were pretty awful. 19 goals conceded in their last five games. They're Yikes. looking pretty doomed. Ralph uh, 
Ralph Rabbit Hutch, Ralph Hassenhuttle, not looking <laughs> too strong for or looking like a good candidate for the next manager to go at the moment, isn't he? Uh, uh, but uh, I, I've I've got a, another unfortunate thumbs down, yeah, Tay Tay, do. for um, <laughs> a poor. I shouldn't laugh. I feel so bad. <laughs> a poor thirteen-year-old yep. named Tom Sherburn from Somerset, England, oh, which my uh, uh, which the BBC website claims is four hours from uh, from Southampton. It's not. Uh, it's a bit. Yeah, I didn't think that. anything was four hours from anything in England. <laughs> no, exactly. If it was coming from Ireland, maybe. But uh, um, yeah. swimming from Ireland. Yeah. Basically, this was his first ever Southampton game. He came to, and his side were thrashed nine nil. His dad took him along to this game. Here, the quote from his dad: He waited yeah. so long for it. Just walking to the ground, you could see his face light up at how fantastic it was going to be with all the swirling rain. Swirling rain, fantastic. Okay. And the lights and the TV cameras and lots of people. This is a wonderful Friday night for him. And that lasted 10 minutes, said Dad. <laughs> uh, and he said, Dad said to his credit that he was quite proud of it because the first time he said, can we go home now, Dad, was in the 80th minute. When I think, there we go. You know, not all nine had gone in by that point. So credit to young Tom there. But that's a rough introduction to the beautiful game in, in person, isn't it? Oh, boy. I cannot imagine that aside from at least he has a hilarious like like soccer anecdote for the rest of his life and i mean he made the bbc can... website so that's a good yeah exactly yeah i guess you can frame that one that can make him feel <laughs> a little bit better it's it is to his credit because the the commentators at a certain point just started narrating how many people were left in the stadium after each goal and i think it was the fourth of the fi- i think it was the fourth goal is when i believe they described it as a deluge of or deluge of fans to the exits so that he held on to the 80th minute is pretty impressive and they said that the, the, the in this story also says quote we saw people leaving at 12 minutes in oh, that's an early one to leave make it to yeah. half time at least even if you're getting a drubbing surely wow. yeah, I mean, yeah i would say so i mean it's because I, I go back to like it's not just you leaving it's you like visibly leaving the stadium while there are still 11 players or in this case 10 players trying to make something happen so that doesn't really help your team pick it back up though uh i think at 2-0 the uh commentators said this could get very very bad for southampton and they were right seven more goals so maybe you can forgive the fans a little bit especially since the conditions were not great but with all that said i do feel very bad for both tom and mike uh, sherburn yeah if i might give one thumbs up to south Southampton, though, to their credit, this uh, this weekend, this Sunday, in fact, was the anniversary of Vichai Shivanda Prandada's death, um, uh, the Leicester mm-hmm. owner who, who had the helicopter accident uh, this time last year. Southampton had a very, very classy response to this. They put him on the front cover of their programme. They had him up on the screens in the stadium. I thought that was pretty, pretty wonderful. And it shows that, you know, Southampton are a pretty classy organisation in general. So thumbs up to that. Thumbs up indeed. Thumbs up to the Premier League this weekend for giving us some compelling stuff to talk about. We've got NWSL, we've got U17s, we've got some quick hits from around the world. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about today's sponsor, Away, thoughtful luggage for the modern travel. Uh, Away Travel creates thoughtful products designed to change uh, how you see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase crafted with features that make travel more seamless. And they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. The one that Daryl is obsessed with he talked about multiple times uh when we were in the office on friday was the the battery how long it can charge your phone how many times Mm. it can charge your phone he's he's obsessed with this concept uh i believe because he travels more than i do and because he gets tired of having a dead phone (laughs) that is a very good feature also i like a removable laundry bag to separate dirty clothes out because i always end up that i didn't know that was a thing because i end up packing like a nice bag either a carry bag or like a nice quality bag from a Mm -hmm. store 
to put your clothes in, to have that already as a function in your bag. I like that a lot. And I'm nerdy enough to really appreciate the uh, having four 360 spinner wheels on each corner of a bag because I like to do the little twirl when I'm walking through the airport. Do you ever <laughs> do course. the twirl? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to dance, you got to push the bag ahead of you and spin it. So it, it's like elaborately twirling. It's like you're filming a Gap commercial or a Brazil soccer commercial, one or the yeah. other, whichever you prefer. And honestly, with these bags, they are really nice looking bags. The carry-on they've got here in, in, in a range of materials and some really nice backpacks as well on the, on the away side. And it makes me think of the song, Sail Away, Sail Away, <laughs> Sail Away, which is nice because that was in a, in a Netflix show, which I watched today with Paul Rudd, a new show. It's quite good. I'm, I'm going off topic. The point is you, these, <laughs> these bags are great. And <laughs> I appreciate it because uh, I heard that song uh, coming from uh, our upstairs bedroom when my wife was watching that show uh, earlier today as well. So there you there go. You go. You're, in, you're in good company, Ryan. I think they played it several times in the in the opening episode that's why it's on my mind but yeah That'll these bags really they, they look like really high quality stuff i'm impressed and, and uh, uh i'm gonna quote a not really quote but i'm gonna reference an old eddie murphy stand-up special which is not the best but he refers to a certain std as being like luggage in that it sticks with you forever and in this case away luggage will stick with you forever because they have a limited lifetime warranty which means they fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged so you really can have it for life and especially with the high quality the durability of the product mm. you know that you really could have it forever Absolutely, and a hundred-day trial as well. A hundred-day trial, you say, Ryan? Yes, a hundred-day trial. You can try any of the away products uh, on the road. Try them out. Take them on a few planes. Shove them up there. Get it. Get you know. Get, shove get them your, up there. Make sure you get your early boarding so you can get your get your case up there in time. That's very important <laughs> for you. If you want to behave, if you want to look like Clooney mm. and up in the air, you need one of these things, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, you absolutely do. And that is the goal always, is to be a, a sort of sad person who fires people for a living. I think that's what we want, right? <laughs> I meant more the slick going through the airport and having things all organized very nicely. Ah. But you can go with that angle, too, if you want. Sure. All right. All right. Uh, I, I was, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but apparently I have strong feelings. Uh, and I have strong feelings about Away because they're helping our listeners get $20 off a suitcase. You can visit awaytravel.com slash TSS and use promo code TSS during checkout. One thing we learned... Prior to starting recording, courtesy of Ryan doing some uh, searching, you've got to use uh, like uh, non-capital TSS. Uh, it's got to be lowercase TSS. Uh, promo code doesn't matter as much, but if you're going to the website awaytravel.com slash TSS, that is lowercase. And then the promo, can be, promo code can be whatever you want. Lowercase to get your sweet, sweet case. Awaytravel.com slash TSS for $20 off. Oh, yeah. This is why we pay Ryan Bailey $4 million a show for that type of witticism right there. <laughs> Uh, we may be overpaying you. I'm not sure. Let's move to the NWSL final, Ryan, uh, which happened in your uh, home state. I guess your newly home state. Probably not your original home state, but now it's yours. F- North Carolina Courage, 4-0 uh, victors over the Chicago Red Stars. And I'm going to start off by giving thumbs up to Dabinia for being awesome. Uh, it was an incredible amount of effort to be in position to score the opener. Mm. She basically picks up like she's the outlet for a pass when North Carolina trying to play out of the back. She plays it forward. She runs probably 80 yards to be able to get on the end of a loose ball. She ends up finishing it. But the thing that I really loved about this one, I tweeted this out. I have yet to hear anybody uh, reject my theory, so I'm sticking with it. Uh, She kind of... Like, like, held the hands up, like, shrugged a little bit, made that sort of face. I tweeted it again if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I have to believe that it was that sort of, like, I don't know sort of gesture. And I'm assuming <laughs> it relates to the fact that she was controversially left off the NWSL Best 11 list. Uh, several different athletes came out in, in defense of Dabinia specifically that she should have been on it. And so to me, that felt like her sort of saying, like, I don't know. I mean, I did just score the opener, but I guess I'm not good enough. <laughs> Had a great performance, though, with the opening. I think she got mm-hmm. assist later on as well. 
well, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Um, Debinha is a great name as well. Is it just? It really De- is. Is it Debbie in Brazilian? It's, it's wonderful. I, I kind of hope not, but yeah. But it, but if so, I'm okay with that too because it is a great name and it's representative of just how great this North Carolina uh, Courage team is because they yeah. were dominant. Pretty much from the opening whistle, like maybe Chicago had a couple chances, but for the most part, it was all North Carolina. They overwhelmed the Chicago Red Stars, and I found it really, really compelling to watch because of just how good they were. Whenever you're watching a team that is like that next level, it is just a genuine delight, and that was Abby Dahlkemper and Abby Ersig shutting everything down, but also Dahlkemper's ability to play a ball was uh, mm. phenomenal. Jessica McDonald, Lynn Williams causing massive problems, and I'm now obsessed with both of them starting with the U.S. Women's National Team going forward. Krista Dunn scrapping her way to a goal because I feel like she was just fighting for it. She wanted to get uh, her name on the score sheet. Sam Mew is the same, risking a concussion to get on the end of a, a ball in from Abby Dahlkemper does, I think, end up in a collision with Alyssa Nair, the goalkeeper for Chicago, but it doesn't matter because she gets that fourth goal. I just thought it was, from start to finish, an incredible performance from the North Carolina Courage. Definitely, and I don't think it's a step too far to say these this team is the best team this league has seen. I know it's a young league, Yep, of course. I think Caitlin Murray on Yahoo was saying this team is a dynasty now. I think that's probably fair to say back-to-back mm-hmm. wins. Uh, and They won the Shield pretty easily, too, in this season. I think they've only lost one of their last 10 matches in the final run-in. Uh, scored quite a lot of goals in, in those matches, too. Just a lot of fun to watch. Can I, can I, can I be a slight uh, Dabinia Downer and go for, for a thumbs down for a little Dabinia Naya. Downer? Ryan, you know what? $8 million now. We're moving it up for that one. Well done, yeah! sir. That's <laughs> how you get those raises, baby. Uh, <laughs> a, a listener, I, I don't like to dig in too much, but um, I know she got a lot of stick in the summer as well. But like on that first goal, it seems like she clattered straight into one of her own defenders. It thought, look, she was a bit out of position for Crystal Dunn's third, I thought. Wait, and- I'm sorry, who was this? Uh, for uh, Alyssa Nea. Keep okay, up. yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, th- I thought, was, yeah, a little bit um, out of position for that third goal as mm-hmm. well. And the fourth goal, with the header uh, that comes in from the set piece, I thought she sort of came for it and completely missed it as well. I didn't think she covered herself in glory in this one at all, I'm afraid to say. I would agree with that. And, and I did think that even some of the mistakes that weren't necessarily her fault, like she didn't drop a, a cross or anything like that, it's still a sort of failure to organize and police your 18-yard area, that like she doesn't make sure that she's got everybody marked up uh, for that Dabinia goal. I think I think it's that one that she gets like, oh no, it's Jess McDonald, excuse me, that she just gets passed off from defender to defender to defender, mm. and then the final defender just leaves her. Like it, it's a, it was a lack of discipline from the Chicago defense, and your goalkeeper who's facing the field and should be able to spot these types of things, I do, I do agree with you that it was not a strong performance, and we've seen criticism from her from people who pay more, I, I think, regular attention to the NWSL, especially this summer in the Women's World Cup. There was yeah. criticism that I didn't quite go along with in that moment, but watching her today, I, re- I did remember some of that and think like, okay, I guess I see a bit more where this is coming from. Not to say that she's a bad goalkeeper, not to say that she should be dropped, uh, but by contrast, I-, I wrote down the pronunciation so I wouldn't ruin it, and now I can't find it, so I'm stalling for time. Uh, Lube, uh, the North Carolina goalkeeper, I thought she did <laughs> excellent in goal so much so that i had to go and research her name to make sure that i said it properly when i said it on this show very nice indeed and i try i uh, <laughs> i thought yeah this, this was a great uh, you know a great advertisement for the league this game well not not from chicago's perspective perhaps, not so much. but um you know the best team did win the league after all and i've got a question for you here mm-hmm. we know that louisville are joining as the 10th club um soon and you know it's not long ago that this league you know it was not what was it 2012 when mm. the professional league was disbanded was it 2011 2012 around that time wasn't not that long ago Mm-mm. that this this season this 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 professional league is quite young 
Do you think that more MLS sides are going to start to see the worth of, you know, maybe whether it's commercial or otherwise, of, of getting uh, an NWSL representative? We know, obviously, there's a few that have already, but I was thinking, like, Los Angeles. Why don't you have, uh, why don't one of the MLS teams yeah. have, a, have a representative here? That, so that was, I think there were, there were conversations at the beginning of the season that maybe LAFC were going to launch one, that Mia Hamm, uh, who is part owner of LAFC, was going to be involved in that one. Mm. Those talks seem to have cooled slash like been put in the fridge uh, temporarily. And I would like to believe to your initial question that it is a thing that MLS sides will start to sort of embrace and move towards. I, I will say, though, the pragmatist in me thinks that a lot of MLS decisions come down to money and come down to owners want to be able to make money. And we go to like the minor league example of the Lancet Ignite this week, played one season and then didn't make enough money or lost too much money, whichever way you want to look at it. Owner said, never mind, we're done. And I, and I would be afraid of an MLS team sort of doing that for good PR. And then when they don't immediately make a bunch of money, thinking like, never mind, this isn't what we want. Because at this point, we are like it is still in like recent enough history the uh the league failing that we don't want that to happen again and i feel like it's in a position of starting to to move back up of getting more teams getting more coverage getting more interest that maybe if you had a team come in and not t- take it that seriously or two teams come in and their thoughts are elsewhere it doesn't necessarily help grow the league because it doesn't increase the product Indeed, indeed. Onwards. And I, I Onwards. still want the title to remain in Carolina, though, please. <laughs> That's, was that your southern accent? Carolina. That's how you say it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, we're just going to move swiftly away from that one. We're going to instead, we're going to move from a happy, happy topic to a sad, sad, sad topic. The U-17 World Cup uh, is underway. The U.S. kicked off their opener in the group stage. Get an early goal from Gianluca Busio. Everything is great. And then they concede four and pick up a red card on the way to a four to one loss in the opener against Senegal. And I'm going to start off by saying thumbs down. You could really say thumbs down to a lot of different things uh, from this team, but thumbs down to U.S. set piece defending. Ryan, were you able to watch uh, some of this game and, and see how poorly it went? I certainly did watch. Uh, I certainly did watch the highlights of this one. Today. I watched actually mm-hmm. Japan Netherlands afterwards in full. From oh, nice. I managed to miss this one, but by the way, Japan looked pretty good in that. And coming up in the group, uh, that should be a concern for this US team yeah. as well. But I mean, oh, but, um, I mean, it was a good start, obviously, with with uh, Busio's yeah. goal. He's, he's he was born in Greensboro, by the way. More more Carolina action <laughs> for you there. But um, the, there was some pretty high it's quality. On brand. Ryan Bailey is on brand, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but I thought, you know, to be fair, so a couple of Senegal's goals, Senegal's goals, geez, uh-huh. easy for me to say, were really good. Like. That's the equalizer was kind of this really nice volley and turn mm. on the edge of the box from Suleiman Faye. Um, the the defensive line was very badly caught out by the second one yes. though, which was literally keeper hoofing it downfield. Unai Emery would have been proud of that one, wouldn't he? <laughs> hoofing it downfield to the route one, uh, straight in the back of the net for that one. Yeah. And uh, the third goal was for, from a, a different Faye was. Another Emery style guy, I suppose, or maybe more of a Man City because it was along the floor, but down the right channel, cross mm-hmm. in, popped in the back of the net. And then yep. that, as you say, set piece weakness for the fourth with Pape Sars. Very, very, very sexy free kick. Mm-hmm. And, and whereas Senegal were, I don't know how many varies you threw in there, but I think it was three. And I would agree. And I would add another one. Very, 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 very sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. was the opposite of that because I, I focused on set piece, uh, defending in the beginning because the equalizer comes in what the, like the second slash third minute of, uh, injury time in the first half because there was a VAR challenge, which, uh, set the clock back a little bit. But it's, 
I kept waiting to try to figure out because I knew the results uh, going into it, and I was very confused as to how Senegal had been able to get a goal with like literally 10 seconds left in the half. And it's just the U.S. kind of going to sleep and I think hoping they can make it to halftime to make some adjustments. And I also think that when you're scored on that late, it really, I've talked about this before, but it makes that halftime team talk really challenging because you've gone from we're 1-0 up, here are all of our plans, you've talked it out with your coaches, and now on the fly, you've got to figure out how we're going to adjust. And, mm. I, and I don't think the U.S. really got there. And so to your point, uh, that, that second goal, I believe it's the second goal, the, the breakaway with the long ball over the top. Yes. Um, watching that again, and you can see Adam Armour jogging back, and I think he just maybe never thinks he's going to be able to make a play on the first attacker for Senegal, which is true. He's like 30 yards ahead of him, but uh, Ali Ubalde, the the actual goal scorer, just coasts right by him without really going that fast. It's not as though Balde is like a hundred times faster or anything like that. It was just sort of lazy defending from Adam Armour. I feel weird calling out a 17-year-old, but so be it. Uh, And that's where Senegal's goal comes from, is just kind of lazy, lazy work from the U.S. and even the red card that leads to the free kick for the fourth goal from Tavon Gray is him another long ball that he just sort of fails to uh, control he tries to chest it down and misses it and that leads to now a kind of a 50-50 foot race that he realizes he's losing pulls the player down gets that red card and it just from start to finish really not start to finish because the U.S. get the opener but it just seemed like a comprehensive loss for the United States in that I don't think anybody really covered themselves in glory there were moments when the team seemed not particularly motivated and that is not a thing I thought I would see from uh, Rafael Vicky's side. So, uh, yeah, I think Japan and the Netherlands should be pretty optimistic about their chances against this U.S. team <laughs> if they continue to play this way. It seems that way. Maybe this will turn things around. But are there any positive signs you see from this? Because I do, I do enjoy seeing Gio Reyna on mm-hmm. the field there. Of course, yeah. the son of Claudio and Daniel Egan, uh, surely the most American soccer person in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a positive. Uh, if you're Senegalese, there are lots of positives because <laughs> they really did look rattled uh, after the United States scored. Uh, and it seemed like uh, their keeper kept coming off his line and, and uh, Ba was the goalkeeper for Senegal mm. and just kept coming off and like, dropping the ball and never seemed like he was going to control the ball cleanly. At one point, he had to do a step over. And if he hadn't pulled that one off, it's definitely in the back of the net and 2-0 of the United States. But then from there, they, they really do settle. And after the first 10, 15 minutes, they really dominate the whole game. And it's a credit that they're able to kind of settle down, figure it out, find a way through, and pretty much tear the United States apart. It was nice to see Gio Reyna in there. It was good to see Gianluca Busio getting a goal. But I, I, I would be hard-pressed to find positives from this result, even though it's 17-year-olds, even though the United States has never won the U-17 World Cup. This, by all accounts, is a not as strong team as it was two years ago when last we saw the U-17s play in a World Cup. But still... It was a bit of a bummer, especially where all things are on the men's side of U.S. soccer. Yeah, it seems like it's a bit of a pessimistic time for the men's side of things, yeah, huh? Yeah, a little bit. So let's just move swiftly away from that one. We'll obviously talk more about the U-17 World Cup as uh, the U.S. plays more games and hopefully performs better. But now, Ryan, as we get towards the end of the show, not quite to the end of the show, we're going to do some quick thumbs. Uh, these could just be like quick hits, general points, whatever you want to get to. But uh, we, we're not going to go in-depth on a lot of stuff, but we will talk about a few different topics. Where would you like to go first? Can I have a very, very quick thumbs up to Granada in La Liga? Yes, can. Who went mm-hmm. top of La Liga this weekend. They beat Real it Betis is. 1-0, uh, basically because of Catalonian politics, uh, which yes. one game we should have been talking about in this uh, weekend review mm-hmm. is the Clasico, which didn't happen. It was, so. it was on the calendar and then it was removed. It was indeed. So I, uh, It was on our calendar of like, I can't wait. We're going to talk about this. Ryan's going to have stuff to say. It's going to be epic. And then no longer. And no longer. But hey, credit mm-hmm. to Granada, baby. Yeah. 
I'll take that one. Uh, I'm going to stay negative when it comes to U.S. soccer for a moment. I'm going to say thumbs down to the amount of Weston McKinney that was involved in Schalke v. Dortmund, which is to say that he was not involved at all. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep on on that game here. Ryan, you may have some points, but one thing I did want to say is we are going to have Matt Herman of the Talking Foosball podcast uh, on later this week to kind of do a Bundesliga catch-up and also talk about some young Americans in the league, talking about Weston McKinney, what Matt has made of him, as well as uh, just the overall league so far. So we will do more Bundesliga, but uh, Ryan, anything from Schalke Dortmund you wanted to get to? Were you not content with the amount of pensive shots of McKinney sitting in the stands? <laughs> that didn't really help. That didn't really help. No, it, it was it was uh, slightly more anxiety-inducing. Like, why is he there? What's going yeah. on? Is everything okay? I can't handle this. I just got over this with Pulisic. Now we're in the uh, Abraham watch. I don't need a McKinney watch as well. <laughs> and anxiety-inducing for uh, uh, Dortmund fans as well, this one. Not, not covered themselves in glory here. Uh, the team playing pretty poorly. Uh, manager and Marco Royce giving some pretty negative comments after this one. Seems like Lucien Favre might be in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Uh, but credit to, uh, to to Schalke for pulling this one out of the bag in a big, big derby game. Yeah, I did I did see a few Dortmund fans tweeting or writing things along the lines of, I'm sadly lost, but there's also a chance it means that Lucien Favre is fired faster, so I'm okay with that. So I guess that's the silver lining for Dortmund fans? Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I will say thumbs up to Celtic fans. Uh, I enjoyed this one immensely. Uh, they had Lazio midweek in the Europa League. They did, like, had a TIFO, I, I think that was essentially uh, reminding Lazio of their right-wing leanings by, I, I forget what the exact slogan was, but it had the image of uh, Mussolini being hanged which is uh, an image I am okay with. Uh, and then Mussolini's granddaughter was, I guess, offended by that. She did not enjoy it. She was very upset. And so I'm giving thumbs up to Celtic fans for responding with a new banner this week uh, that had some choice words for Mussolini's daughter. I guess we, ch- we tend not to uh, swear on the show, but if I do it in Italian, I think it's okay. Uh, Alessandra, Afanculo, and you guys can uh, Google <gasps> that and see what it means. <laughs> Honestly, that kind of language. <laughs> I know. I apologize. I apologize, Ryan. I, and just, I hope I didn't offend your delicate sensibilities. Can you try again in a Scottish accent? <laughs> Alessandra von Kula. That was really good. I think I, I think I made a bit long there on the Kula, but I'm whatever. Impressed. You wouldn't Thank make you. the mistake of buying hips instead of hearts, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Ryan Bailey, whenever anybody references Succession that isn't me, it makes me very, very happy. Daryl, I think, grits his teeth and gets through my Succession references, but well done, sir. <laughs> well done to you. I do appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, any other thumbs for you this weekend? Uh, shall we touch very gently on Le Classique in Ligue 1? We probably should. Paris Saint-Germain getting a 4-0 win over Marseille. Mm-hmm. They get, yeah, got, very much got the better this one. There was no Neymar in this one, no Julian Draxler. Uh, Edson Cavani very much being uh, kept out of this team yeah. by a thumbs-up uh, candidate, Mauro Icardi, getting mm-hmm. uh, two goals here. He's been, he can't stop scoring seven in his last seven. Uh, some very nicely taken goals here, proving that if you do... Um, sit on your hands for several months and moan in Italy, then good things will come to you. Is that the moral? I think that's the moral. I I think that's the moral. I I did enjoy, whereas I did not enjoy the shots of uh, Pensive Weston McKinney, I did enjoy... Like disinterested but kind of annoyed Neymar, and I, and it did have that vibe of him being like, well, th- this isn't how it's supposed to go if I'm not here. They're not supposed to win this easily without me, yeah. uh, because Neymar, as you said, was not involved. Mauro Icardi certainly was, as was Kylian Mbappe. A double brace uh, there, uh, a brace for each. And Ryan, I'm going to say this. I think there's a chance that PSG win the league this season. I'm just going to throw it out there. I know it's early days. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But they are currently eight points ahead with a plus 20 goal difference. That's, that's sizable. 
I said it about Liverpool and I'll say it about PSG. If they don't win it this season, they never will take it. That's my opinion <laughs> on these guys. And can I also say thumbs up big time to uh, um, um, uh, uh, Kylian Mbappe, who just looked incredibly spit. Yes. He looks like he's on double speed compared to everybody yeah, does. else, doesn't he? He looks great. And Heldi Maria had a really good one in this one as well. They're very much showing that they don't need uh, Neymar and they don't need Cavani, I suppose. And Apparently pour, not. Let's pour some out for Eric Chupamoting, who's not getting back in this side now, is he? Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. No, yeah, he's probably not going to. So your point about Mbappe's speed, it doesn't seem fair that he is as fast as he is and has as good of control as he does. I don't understand how he can still dribble at an insane speed without really losing much and still controlling the ball. It kind of blows my mind, but makes him so excited to watch, especially because he has that explosive burst of pace on top. Mm. That acceleration is just so incredible that even for the fourth goal, it's I think it's like a 3v4. Uh, like uh, the Marseille backline stretched a bit, but it's still basically um, Mbappe. Just a great, it's a great ball through from I believe on uh, Maria again, who had another strong game. Um, but it's just him in a foot race, and he yeah. absolutely obliterates the entire Marseille defense and puts it away. And it's a great finish to add to the speed, to add to the control. Yeah, he's real good. I'm, I'm going to say Kylian Mbappe also very good, and I do think we will see him uh, involved in that Ballon d'Or conversation sooner rather than later. Is is my assumption? I think so, and it might be damning him with faint praise. But when I saw that fourth goal, that just it just reminded yeah. me of classic Michael Owen. That was Michael yes. Owen, at 18 years old, getting past the Argentinian defense. It just looked like that to me, and. Uh, he, he, yeah, but Mbappe, Mbappe seems capable of, of coherent thought, so he's got that advantage over Michael Owen as well. But can Mbappe fly a fake helicopter over Dubai and have no personality while describing it? That's the question. I mean, I, we're going to have to wait and see. I yeah. think he will probably have the money to be able to try something like that, and I'm excited <laughs> to see if he does. And if he does, then we will, I'm sure, mention it on our Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down weekend review. I might give him Thumbs Up for that because I assume it's a, a parody, an homage, a callback to Michael Owen doing it. So I will appreciate that. But Ryan, anything else you would like to add before we call this one quits? Let's call this one quits. I think we've All had right. quite a time. I'm not going to top the Binya Downer, frankly, am I? I, I don't think you are, and I don't think you ever will. Maybe you should just retire right now. That's it. No more sports for you. you let's move on. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sports you can focus on, 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 on country music and football. Yay! My twin <laughs> passions. Of course. Well, uh, as Ryan does that, I would just say uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we will have uh, Matt Herman of the Talking Foosball podcast back on uh, this week, as well as a few more guests. Daryl's going to be out of town. Uh, we still have to make our announcement about where we're going to be this weekend. Uh, but here's a hint. It's not in this country. Uh, but until we get to do that, Ryan Bailey, I'll just say one more time. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. 